Welcome to the Gutch Church Podcast. My name is Kennedy Shear, and thanks so much for joining us. Today, we have a great word from my dad, Pastor Bill Shear. If this ministry has changed your life, will you let us know? Send us an email to story at gutchchurch.com. We're in week two, and um, I'm going to try to get through the second chapter of Romans tonight. Um, The theme of the book of Romans is simply this. Write this down. But the theme of the book of Romans is the righteousness of God that's revealed in the gospel of Christ. See, you have to understand, um, we, we're not sure who started the church at Rome, okay? Paul had nothing to do with it. That's why he was compelled to get to Rome, okay? It's interesting that he didn't get to Rome, the convention, probably the way he planned or thought he was going to. He was arrested and shipped to be tried by Nero, okay? And so that's a, that's a little background of this whole thing. Righteousness is referred to 60 times in the book of Romans. So it's a, the central theme. Let's, let's go to verse 16. Let's start there. Paul writes, it says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Okay, this is huge. He's combining two completely different group of people. For in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And then he said, as it's written and well documented, the just shall live by faith. That word faith is the Greek word pistis. It's, it's the word trust. It's interchangeable. They're synonyms. So the the just so live by trust. We're to trust God. We're to trust his word. We're to trust his promise. We're to trust his voice. The three types of people that Paul's writing to here, the book of Romans is broken down into four parts. Number one is the wrath of God, an interesting way to start. Number two is the grace of God. Number three is the, the plan of God. Number four is the will of God. Okay, there's three kinds of people that Paul, in the first couple chapters here, he addresses. The first one is unbelieving Romans. The second one is moralists. The third one is religionists. And unbelieving Romans is, they were just heathen. They were Gentiles without God. The moralists, they're people that, you know, like Jews that weren't really living it, but judging other people for not living it. And then religionists were people that, hey, I'm a Jew. So back off, okay? Well, so, but all of them are condemned, all right? That's who he's writing to initially. Okay, I want to preface that. See, Paul is introducing a righteousness that's a gift. You you can't earn it. You don't deserve it. And he's writing it as a gift to a lot of people that had no hope in their endgame. There was no hope for them. So it's a hopeless people that he's writing to. It's not written to people like most of you that are loving God, that are serving God, that, man, if you mess up, you ask God to forgive you and you repent and you you stand, you're at church on Wednesday night, okay? That's not who he's writing to initially, all right? But Paul, but here's how he approached it, and it's, it's healthy for me to approach it this way as well. It's Paul is a debtor. He's paying a debt to these guys. 
And it, it's like he's saying, I owe it to these people to deliver the truth. And you know, it's starting out and it's gonna become a little bit gritty at the beginning, all right? So if, if, if you're thinking that preachers, first century preachers didn't have grit, Paul did, okay? But it's a little gritty. It, it, it's like if, if you hadn't paid your electric bill and the electric company served you notice that they were gonna shut your electricity off, but your mailman saw that it was a notice of shut off and he's like, oh, this is, this is tough news. I don't want to deliver it to these people. And you wake up one day and your electricity's off. And you're like, well, wait a second. I didn't even get a notice. Well, that's how Paul approached Rome. He started the church in Ephesus. He started the church at Philippi. He did not start this church. My, I suspect that the the people that were under the window of the upper room when Peter said, this Jesus whom you crucified, who died on the cross, who went to the grave, and three days later rose from the day, grave, and 3,000 people got saved. It said that, that there were devout Jews and proselytes from Rome that were there. I suspect that that was identified, the specifics of those people, at, at the occasion after the upper experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where they went back to Rome and began to form and gather his people. In verse 18, Paul writes, it says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Now listen, I'm gonna have to read through some of these verses and I'll go back and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring an explanation of the wrath of God. I don't believe it's what you, what you think, okay? Because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them, okay? What he's talking about here is a general understanding of God. You could live on the beach, you could live in the mountains, you could live where there's beautiful sunset, you could live in the desert, and you're going to see things that it's like, oh my gosh, there's a general sense that there's a creator. There's, there's, some, there's someone or something out there that made all this happen. It didn't, the sky just didn't go pop, and all this stuff happened. Do you understand, if we were, any, if, if we were as far away from the, 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 the sun as Mars is, we'd freeze. If we were as close to the sun as Venus is, we'd burn up. Do you understand if the, if the, if the oceans, if the ocean, the, the, the water in the oceans, if they were a, 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 a tenth less than they are, or a tenth more than they are, it would flood, the earth would flood because of all the rain. If it was half of what it is, there'd be drought and nothing could grow. I mean, you think about the, the, the axis of the earth is, is tilted. I mean, you, you just think it's just, it's, uh, it, it's incredible the way, the way God created this whole thing. Verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that, that, that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, 
They didn't glorify him as God, nor were they thankful. This is a big deal. See, let me tell you, we can't glorify God without being thankful. The biggest thing, the biggest advice, any of you guys that are going through anything right now, have a thankful heart. Listen, not for what you're going through, but in what you're going through, okay? Although they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, this is, this is, professing to be wise, they became fools. That the Greek word for fools here is moros. Where we get the word, they were wise, but they became morons. Now think about it. It's the world Doubters of God become moronic. You know, it's astrology. The, 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 the father of the science of astrology loved God, and he showed how God's hand was in all of it. And, and, and someone hijacked it, and it became like a religion. Astrology, and it could fortune-telling and all kinds of other stuff. Verse 23, and change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things in those images. Listen, therefore God also gave them up to the uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. So let's stop right there. He gave them up to it. I, 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 I want to I'm probably a little premature with bringing this explanation, but the word wrath here, like we're thinking wrath is like God, God throwing his finger and lightning coming off his finger and zapping you. See, that's not what the wrath here is. The wrath of God is significant in the book of Romans, the first two chapters, because it's God giving you what you want. Israel cried out for a king. God never intended Israel to have a king. What did God let them do? Let them have a king. God, it, it, they, they cried out in the wilderness. It took them 40 years to get to the promised land, and most of them didn't, didn't, get, they didn't get to go in except for Joshua and Caleb. They, they began to make idols. And what did it produce in Israel? Babylonian captivity. Man, the capital of, of idolatry is Babylon. And what happened? They became slaves to Babylon and were held captive there for 70 years. See, God allowed what they professed. We have what we say. They wanted idols. God gave them idols. They wanted a king. God gave. They wanted the law. God gave him the law. Then what did Jesus have to come and do? Fulfill the law. It, it was like, it, was, it wasn't just our sin that he came to, to take care of. He had to come and take care of the law as well. It was another thing added on to him. See, and we look at this, and that's the wrath of God. The wrath of God is, man, nothing. You, you, might, you might walk through life saying, nothing ever works out for me. Well, guess what? Nothing's going to work out for you. 
Or you know what? I'm, I'm struggling with my marriage. I don't know what I'm doing with my marriage. I'm losing my marriage. My marriage is over. I'm living in a loveless marriage. Bingo. See, this correlates into the wrath of God. Are you picking up what I'm laying down here? Verse 25, who exchange, and I don't believe that, I don't believe I have taught that well enough. Because I think, I think we could just kind of normally read through the book of Romans and without some backstory and without some understanding, it's like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? But then you think about everything that's preached and the authority that we have as, uh, we have as believers, the identity that we walk in as followers of Christ. I mean, now it's like, wait a second, this is, this is not written to me unless I'm going to be in pride, unless... I'm going to push back from God's promise unless I want to choose disobedience. See, that's the wrath of God. God giving it, the Israelites, God's, God giving his chosen people, he, he he's, turns them over. And, and honestly, to, to their minds, their will, listen to what else is said. Who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the, create, the, the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. We begin to worship the, the creation and the creatures and not the creator. And we, you know, I mean, some people will say, you know, you, you have to seek God's face, not just his hand. And I think that a lot of that just becomes semantics. But it's like, we're, we're not, the, the word of faith message there were people that accused people, and I, some, some of them may be rightfully, but I don't think for the most part it was right, but for, to, to believe God for stuff rather than the true nature that, man, this is about the kingdom. This isn't about what kind of, this isn't about what I can build for me or what I can have for me. You know, what, what I love about this church is I don't own anything here that you don't own. My name's not, my name's on corporate papers, but Sandy and I don't own the building. We don't own any chairs. We don't own any screens. We don't own any platforms. We don't, there's none of this that, that, that's ours. That if, if, if I walked away tonight, I can't take any of this with me and none of it's mine. See, and you understand that, that, that we, we look at this now and we, 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 we live under these auspices and this, this word, like the world's throwing some things in and trying to, trying to add seasoning. And it's like, wait a second, this is not the recipe. And it becomes distasteful. In verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up to their vile passions. Do you see, do you see what I'm talking about here? God just said, look, you got vile passions, take them. That's how you want to live, go ahead. And, and trust me, buckle up because it's fixing to get real. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. That is what you think it is. Okay? Likewise, also men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. Time out. 
Nero arrested, had, gave orders to arrest Paul. Okay? Paul was shackled and taken to Rome to be tried by Nero. Nero was married multiple times to men. His last marriage, he was the bride. Okay? The whole dynasty of Caesar collapsed because of Nero. It, he was vile. He was decadent. He died at 30 years old. See, when it, when it says men and women, it, with the, the reference of men and women here, that a lot of these men were just following after their leader, Nero. And see, if we don't think, we've got to be careful. I'm telling you, we've got to be discerning what we submit under on the earth. All right? When, when, when a leader gets up and says, well, it depends on what sex is or how you define it. See, understand, we can sit and have a cup of coffee and discuss it, but seven and eight-year-old kids don't. And they're trusting those voices. See, that's why you've got to be in control of the information in your home. And I, there's been a bunch of parents ask me, they say, well, when did your kids get, get phones? It's like, man, it's been a long time ago. And they were flip phones and they were, they're not like they are today. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God didn't remove it from the garden. He just said, don't eat the fruit of it. And see, we, we have to understand it. We have to look at our lives now. And, and Paul was, was actually referring, listen, not just to men and women. It was actually very specific in the Greek. It was biological men and biological women. See, that God made us to operate effectively as, as, as male and female. And it doesn't work the other ways. See, Paul wrote this from Corinth. Corinth was New York City and Mexico City and Vegas and New Orleans all wrapped up in one, in one, one place then. And, 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 and so here he was. He's dealing with it in Corinth from, Corinth from the world standpoint but then he looks at Rome and he hears about things and he's dealing with it now within the walls of the church because the leadership wasn't there, so he brought leadership. And he deals with it in 1 Corinthians 6, a little side note if you want to cross-reference this the same way. We can never make something that falls under personal proclivity and, and pronounce it as the will of God. Like my personal preference and then, and then call my, I can't call my personal preference the will of God. And, and no matter how you slice it, I may, I may say, well, I was born that way. Listen, I've got to personally bring that reference into my life. I've got to allow that into my life. Because the word contradicts that wholeheartedly. So I've got to either live the word or I've got to live my own proclivity. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's our, our my preference. It's my preference to go to church or not to go to church. Well, what's the will of God? Well, I'd rather not go. I'll just have church in my basement. I'll just have church. I'll have church in my car. Anywhere I go is church. I choose that, okay? Well, listen, it's a sloppy definition of church at best. See, 
The word church comes from a, a Greek word. Um, now I get a mental block. Ecclesia. It, was, it wasn't a religious term. It was a military term. And we're Romans. If two Romans came together and they were sitting outside of Rome and they came together and they agreed on something, it carried the authority of Rome. So here's Paul. You understand when he said, we're two you, when Jesus said, where two of you are gathered in my name, I'll join you and I'll be in the midst of you. Man, when you, when you agree upon any, touching anything, it'll be done for you. Do you understand? He didn't have to give any explanation of that. They got it. They understood it because, that, that, because that's how Rome was. See, so let's go, to, let's go back to Romans, verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge or thinking, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which, were not, which are not fitting. See, that's the third reference since we've been reading here, just these few verses, where God gave them over to their mind. God gave them over to their speech. God gave them over to their, and he's, I mean, I'll tell you what, I believe the Spirit of God fights tooth and nail. Man, there's so many, there's so many times in my life where I, I get a, I'll get a check about something, and I'll tell you, I get to live with Sandy, who Sandy operates in a in the, the, the spiritual giftings, one of them's discerning of spirits. She operates at a high level of discerning of spirits. So it's so it, like pastoring this church, it's very handy, all right? Because I can blow through red lights, and that's not healthy. It, you, get, you get by with it, you can do it until you can't. We have a police officer here. It's not a good habit, right? So I don't do that anymore, tell, you, tell all your buddies. They don't have to look for me. But, but the point is, is that, man, God gives us discernment because the word's on the inside of us. It's the discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. Verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetedness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are, they are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death. Now listen, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. And like, like what that list there describes much of what's on Netflix. And I'm like, well, I don't watch those, but I subscribe to it. Is that me approving it? I hope not. But understand, I think we have to look at our lives. Paul, Paul said it a couple different times. He said, look, examine yourself that you're in faith. Like, can I be in faith and do this? I mean, let me tell you, the, it, it, it's not just a moral compass that Pastor Sandy operates in, in her life a lot of times. It's, man, it's the Holy Spirit. I joke sometimes where it's like, God, was that you or was that Sandy? Because it sure sounded like her, but God, it, it seemed like it was you. And why? Because, 
man, there's that, there's that point where it's like, look, God doesn't want us walking the line. If, if, this, if this stage is good and off this stage is evil, God doesn't want me let, me, let me help you. You can identify some of you guys that want it. This is a little bit, this is how church is. This is how you lead a church. There are sheep, there are goats, there are wolves. Sheep are going to go where you tell them to go, eat what you tell them to eat, find shelter in, the, in healthy places, okay? Goats are going to eat anything. They're going to chew on barbed wire. They're going to eat tin cans. They're going to they're gonna headbutt you whenever they get a chance, okay? But wolves come in sheep's clothing. So their gait's a little bit different. They walk a little differently. It's like, ah, that's odd. Okay, but I don't want to be judgmental, but here's how you can identify a, a wolf. A wolf is in sheep's clothing. It walks differently. The sheep can't tell. That it still looks like a sheep, and sheep are just going to, but that wolf is going to go and press the boundaries. Maybe get out of bounds a little bit, but then come right back in. Walk the edge of the boundary. If you find yourself doing that in your life, please repent. If you're hanging out with people that, that push the boundaries too, I'm telling you, the edge of the tree line is not where sheep should be. It's not a healthy place. It's not a protected place. See, I don't want to approve so much of what the world offers as content producers. And I think we have to be hard-nosed about it personally, not with each other. Man, we, they, there might be a discussion, a door may open for you to address something with somebody, but in our personal lives. See, and, and that, that's Paul addressing the, the sinners, the unbelievers, okay? They were all sinners, but the unbelievers. Then he goes to the moralists. And with the moralists, it's, it, it's the second chapter in the first verse, which I'm not going to get through chapter two, okay? So you got to come back next week, all right? Therefore, you are inexcusable. That's what he says to the moralists. The people, I, it's interesting, you know, with a group of people earlier this evening, I, I talked about when I get to a place, I started using this term, I loved it, where it was righteous indignation. I'm not in the flesh. I'm, I'm just, man, I'm operating in righteous indignation. The Lord showed me. I said it one time. I said it to somebody. I said, I said man, it's just righteous indignation that, that rises up in me when this happens. And, and the Lord added self to it. Self-righteous indignation. I thought, ooh, I'm, I'm not using, I'm not, I'm not going there anymore. I don't like that. I don't like the ring of that. I don't like the ring of self-righteous indignation operative in my life. Therefore, you are inexcusable, oh man, whoever you are who judge for in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. I'll, I'll tell you what's interesting. And Sandy and I have talked about this a couple times over the decades of ministry. When you hear people coming out and accusing people of things and naming names, I, I'm talking about ministry people. I usually take a step back and think, uh, you protest too much. What's up? I, I just know in Raising Taylor, the most frustrating things that Taylor did were things that 
were reflective of me. And I'd be so frustrated to be like, mm, I know where he got that though. See, and I think we've got to understand that. It's easy for you to judge somebody of something that you're dealing with and you're, it's operating in your life. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, oh man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? See, here's what's amazing. The Bible doesn't say sin comes before the fall. That seems reasonable to me. You get in sin, you're going to fall. You're, it says pride comes before the fall. See, Jesus paid the price for our sin, not our pride. Pride comes before the fall. And, and that's the moralist. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? See, it, what, what's amazing about this is I know we value patience, but I think, I think high-level patience looks like weakness to most people. And God is so patient with us. Long-suffering, he endures us. But in accordance with all your hardness and your impotent heart, you are treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. You're going to find this out. You're going to feel it firsthand. When God lets you look, oh, you want to be an idolater? I'm going to let you go spend 70 years in Babylon where you're a slave, where you own nothing who will render to each one according to his deeds. You reap what you sow. Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and don't obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek. Let's pause here. I'm going to ask you to come back next week. It, and, and I'm telling you, this is, it, it, it's kind of, it, 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 it seems like an uphill climb. I, I want you guys to know that none of this is condemning. None of it. Okay, let me put it a different way. None of this is condemning. None of it. All right? Please understand that if, if, you're, if you're an unbeliever, somebody's delivering that shutoff notice. Pay your electric bill or you're not going to have electricity. You may not like the news, but it's the truth, all right? But then, I, I, I don't run into a lot of moralists here at the church. There's not a whole lot of religion here. So really, honestly, most of this is just stuff for us to have an understanding how to reach people. But, but the bigger thing is how important doctrine is in our lives individually and in our church corporately.
that we're of the same mind and the same heart and the same word and the same Lord and the same spirit. See, that's how this works. And I sense that, an, an, an overarching unity in our church. And I think that's invaluable. But you have to also have it in your home. And you know what? We've got to be patient with one another. We've got to be loving with one another. Man, we're not here to point out faults in people. Man, I'm, I'm just telling you, it's our job to catch these, these people. It's God's job to clean them. That's how it works. Man, if you're here and you're scratching your head over this, go ahead and read ahead in Romans. If you're here and you're scratching your head, man, come to the second mile tomorrow night and, and just get as much of this as you can as quickly as you can because there's so much more for you. You know, I don't want you to have your head down worried about the steps you're taking in your life and miss the opportunity, the doors that God's opening for you. If you're here and your life's not right with God or if you need to make Jesus Lord of your life, you're why we're here. I'm telling you, man, if you're thinking, oh my gosh, I've got this burden of sin, it's a weight on me, that, that's the easy part. That price for your sin has already been paid. All, I mean, it's all been paid. So now what we have to do is we just want to walk in His fullness. And that's, that's why we went through Ephesians in August, and we're going through Romans now. But hopefully there's some clarity. Understand the, the wrath of God isn't, isn't a knockout punch from heaven. Man, the wrath of God is, man, if you're, if you're speaking doubt and unbelief and not trusting God, God will let you live in doubt and unbelief. He really will. But you know what? You want to turn things around? Begin to speak the truth. Begin to profess God's promise. God, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for who you are and what you're about. God, I pray a blessing upon every household in this room. God, your word promises that no evil shall befall them, nor any plague come near where they live. I want everybody to pray with me. Father God, I give you my life. Jesus Christ is absolutely unequivocally Lord of my life. God, I'm trusting you with everything. My livelihood, my past, my present, my future. I'm trusting you with it, God. God, I thank you that I'm going to heaven because Jesus is Lord of my life and I'll never smell the scent of hell. God, I want all of you I could get. I ask you now to fill me with your Holy Spirit to an overflowing point. God, I thank you for that because I'm the head and not the tail, above only and never beneath, because greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. I'm created in Christ Jesus for great works so that I should just walk in them. God, even though I walk in the flesh, I don't war according to the flesh, but God, I thank you that the weapons of your warfare that are operative in my life are mighty, are powerful for the pulling down of strongholds. Now, God, I thank you now. My enemy's been defeated. I'm victorious. I walk in victory. And God, I thank you now for the greatest life known to mankind that lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to Guts Church YouTube channel. I'm Pastor Chano Trevino, the assistant pastor here at Guts Church. 
And on behalf of our leadership team, our staff, our church, it's our hope that this message met you right where you are. If it did, I bet there's someone you know who could use the encouragement of this message in their life. And you sharing it with them can make all the difference. The mission of Guts Church is to help people win. And you can be a part of that simply by sharing, or better yet, inviting someone to tune into Guts Church online with you every week. Take that next step to be a part of what God is doing right now in this moment in time by being committed to showing up, placing a premium on God's word, and receiving all that God has for you. You can share this message, gather your friends for services, make it a priority to make this the place you want to be. God has so much for you. I truly believe that. We love you. We're praying for you. Can't wait to see you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you'd like more information about the ministries of Gut Church, visit our website at gutschurch.com.